Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which will explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from TheNextReel.com. And today we're finishing out our week by talking about Minute 80, which begins with hard evidence knocking on the door and ends with Heimdall waiting as the waters crash below. Joining us on the show today, sadly for the last day uh, this week, but we'll hopefully have them back for later seasons of the show, are Miles Stokes and Elizabeth Alley from the podcast Thor, The Lightning of the Storm. Uh, I know, Elizabeth, this is your first time doing Minute by Minute. Miles, you did it once uh, a long time ago. Chris, what for you is it like to kind of you know, take a little bit of a deeper analysis of a movie than maybe you get when you're chomping on some popcorn in the theater? It was really interesting for me because when I first heard about it and I really got into what we were doing, I was like, wow. How am I going to fill up the time? Like, what are we going to do? You know, but then when I kind of surrendered into it and watched each minute really thinking on that higher level, I was like, this is actually really interesting. Like, I'm paying way more attention to this than I would ordinarily. So it, it, it's been great. Yeah, uh, Matthew, like you mentioned, I, I've done this once before, um, just with a single minute from the first X-Men movie a long time ago. And it's actually interesting to do five minutes it sounds like so little, but compared to one minute, like there's almost this little mini arc that is happening over the last uh, now almost five episodes that we've been discussing. Yeah. And that's that's a fun way to do it. Like looking at all of these little scenes in context of what comes right before and after. It's interesting just to think about the very deliberate pacing and ordering of scenes and even uh, transitions from one camera angle to another that takes place during that. But mostly, yeah, it's fun just to get into the ultimate nitty gritty. Like I thought my X-Men podcast, Jane Miles Explained the X-Men did that going into detail, but no, 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 that, that's <laughs> nothing compared to what's happening here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have learned so much about film analysis because Andy knows so much more about this than I do. And I think it's it's a really fun way. And I it, it, it's it been great, I think, for us just to have guests from so many different backgrounds and perspectives coming on to join us. So we'll get to hear more about your thoughts on this minute in just a moment. We love doing this show and talking all things Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor, really just everything. It's just there's so much juicy stuff to talk about, but it does take time and cost money. Please consider becoming a patron of our show. You might be familiar with Patreon, but you might not be familiar with Memberful, which is Patreon's other platform. That allows you to build your support right into your own site. That's what we use. So if you've been thinking of becoming a patron to show your love for the show, but you weren't sure because you couldn't find us on Patreon, just know we are, in fact, using their platform. Just visit truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute, and you can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month, or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. Thanks. All right, so... We have a, a, a knock on a window that has great dramatic timing. Uh, it's a funny moment, you know, uh, Selvig is finishing the thought about how you'll never prove it to them without hard evidence. And then hard evidence, I guess, knocks on the window and they all look totally shocked. The, someone drops a coffee cup. But, but here's my question. We were talking before about how these four look like they're just off a, a Ren Fair or a, you know, a movie set. Not that you don't look at them and go, Oh, that's clearly proof that Thor actually is from Asgard, not just a drunk from a Ren fair. What, what's happening? Is it just kind of a little bit of a disconnect in the movie, or is there something that I'm not seeing that Eric and Jane are seeing that is the actual proof they're talking about? 
I mean, they do look otherworldly. And, you know, the the timing, like for me, that whole minute where they're like, duh, 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 it totally reminds me of like a classic sitcom from like the 70s or 80s. Like I could see mm-hmm. that happening in Mork or Mindy, you know, Mork, yes. Mork and Mindy, excuse me, or like Happy Days or something. They're like, it's just classic. And instead of a spit take, it's a drop the cups take. Like everybody's <laughs> store has started a theme. Everybody's smashing mugs. <laughs> oh, it's uh, the, whoever is in charge of repairing and or constructing new mugs in this town of however many people actually live in this town. They're going to be making bank after this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, your average person on the street isn't primed for seeing a bunch of people in metal and leather armor with strange looking weapons running around they just figure ah larpers or ah those people are dressed weird but for people who've been hanging out with thor who already have the context of okay this guy says he's from like space viking land and all of a sudden people show up who could very clearly be described as space Vikings for someone with the phrase space Viking in their head. And now I've said that phrase so many times it's lost all meaning. <laughs> uh, so I, I can see them responding differently. I think that makes a little bit of sense. That's fair. I think that's where, yeah, that's where I land with it is that, you know, they, uh, if they had just seen them walking down the street and didn't have anything that had happened to them over the last few days, there would be something different. But they have really been a part of this whole conversation that has been happening, uh, you know, disbelieving, believing back and forth on all of that. But really, they hit this point right here where I think that Thor is kind of pitched it to Jane. Jane buys into it. She's pitched it to Eric. He seems to be buying into it. But does, I mean, they're all kind of believing it now, even if they don't think anyone else will. So I think at this moment, they're believing it. And all of a sudden, these four show up at the door. Yeah, I think that they're in a place where they're like, you know what? I, I OK, I, I guess that we're going to buy into this now. The other thing this movie reminded me of, I don't know if any of the rest of you have seen the movie Enchanted, which is um, Amy Adams goes from being a Disney animated princess to being in the real world and telling everybody she meets up with Patrick Dempsey, also referenced this week, and is telling her, uh, of course, he doesn't believe she's a princess from a magical animated you know world and then her prince prince edward swoops in and and swoops into their apartment and like turns the world upside down it's like he was already kind of starting to buy it because there's been all kinds of hijinks but to see this other completely out of context ridiculous character swooping in and validating everything is a very kind of world-altering moment that's fair i guess i'm still seeing it in terms of like if there's a part of you that still thought Thor was like, you know, the drunk guy who wandered off the like LARP, LARP, ter- LARP campground, that these are just three others from that campground come to find him. But I, I think I can totally see what you're saying there. Um, well, and we talked about this a couple of days ago. And so I want to take this moment now because we do get something I don't think we see any time else in the MCU. The four of them are so happy to have found him. And even the Hogan is smiling. Um, so ta- <laughs> let's take this moment, talk a little bit more about Hogan the Grim. I think we, we said like we're going to get back to his character. Well, you know, he's just the he's the, the the silent Bob of the group, you know, except way more threatening. So to it's true to see him in this kind of relieved, joyful moment is if there had been more focus on him would have been really striking. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. There's definitely a very like... The fact that he is Hogan the Grimm is very much a tell-don't-show, like as it is with all these people. I think the fat jokes and, you know, all that kind of thing. 
I think that one, the one thing that I noticed of this group, though, is how enthusiastically Sif waves. And that, that to me, feels very schoolgirlish, the way that she's mm-hmm. like, it, it's like a, a, a very excited. And that just goes back to that whole concept of the Asgardian High School uh, TV show, because it just <laughs> like that, that is very bubbly. Uh, happy wave she gives him uh, they're all just so gleeful like they have their faces pressed up against the glass it's a goofy moment and i don't know that it would make sense after everything that's happened for them to be that like carefree but i love it anyway <laughs> it's just so damn charming yeah. it I, lifts I, your spirits like they're yeah, reconnected yes. they found each other now only good things are gonna happen yeah and, and it's nice too because We've kind of been having two different movies happening this whole time. We have everything happening in Asgard, everything happening here, with only very little contact between the two. And now this is the moment when, like, you know, every all the groups are coming together in a really nice way. Right. We have the Warriors 3 and the Scientists 3 all, yep. <laughs> all in the room together. So I, I I do wish I got to find out how is it they find him? Because I'm not sure if they have some like Thor locator device that takes them here or if they've been like knocking on the windows of every business as they go up the door being like, do you have a large Norse looking man in your business? No. OK, let's go to the next place. Do you, do you think Volsteg smelled the eggs and just went there? It was just totally a coincidence <laughs> that Thor was there also. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Because no one else is cooking in this tiny town. Like, I mean, Isabel, Isabel is just closed. People have to be having brunch somewhere or breakfast somewhere. Well, it's funny because your 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 point is funny because, I mean, you know, just going back to the, the, the layout of Puente Antigua, when we see the shots of them, not just here, but also in the deleted scenes, they are all over the place. Like, they don't just walk straight up Main Street and land here at this particular building. Like, they are, they're, they're coming in off of a side street, then later they're going backwards down that same stri- side street. So they really are... Uh, all over the place. So yeah, they're they're very confused in their in their search of uh, of the town. It does make me think that I mean enough people have been here to see Thor around. I mean Isabella, she may still be outside sweeping. I, we don't see her in the background, but it's entirely possible that they asked somebody and somebody. I mean maybe it was the pet the guy in Pet Palace, and and they kind of pointed them here. Who knows? It does make me a little annoyed with uh, Heimdall. I mean. As much as it was a great bit of dialogue for him just to say good and then start walking away, uh, talking about how he can't really help them. Like, if he had also said, oh, and uh, by the way, 1327 Southeast Ash Street, uh, just, just so you know. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. he sees everything. Come on, just just throw them a bone. If time is of the essence, then help them out. Be their map quest. Exactly. It could be that Volstag waited around for the for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to wake up and then was like, hey, where's my friend Thor? But, mm. you know, you know what we needed here? We need because we keep talking about how the Isabella actress did not get enough to do. We did them coming up to her because she's still outside sweeping saying, have you seen anyone funny in town? Anything strange? Well, a tall blonde man smashed a cup. Oh, yep. That's him. OK, <laughs> yeah, right, that's our right. guy. Exactly. You know, uh, Elizabeth, you brought up the fact that Volstagg could have actually figured it out from the two guys on the roof or asked them. And actually, that likely, I mean, if we had seen something, if anything, that could have been what it was because they had spy gear up on the roof pointing down to this particular place. And so he might have seen their stuff and been able to kind of look down and go, oh, I see him down there, hop down to join his friends. And then they walk in. I mean, if there was something, I would say that would have been it. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And that would have been a nice little Volstag moment to, you know, show that he's not just the guy that eats a lot and has a weird looking axe. Like, oh, he actually has some smarts to him as well, which he should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And then it, it, it's fitting that we get this very high high because then we get like it's a smooth transition in the conversation, but we get taken to a very low low because they say, you know, he's like, why are you here? It's great to see you. And they say, well, we're here to take you back. <clears throat> and of course, he still believes everything Loki told him and says, you know, but I, I can't go back. My father's dead. I killed him. I've been banished. A and they tell him that, you know, no, that's not true. Your father's still alive. And, and anyone who thinks Chris Hemsworth is not a good actor, I, I think you just watch his face for these two, two or three seconds. Cause like you just see like all the dials click as he think, wait, my father's not, what does like every step by step is happening there? What was your take on that little scene we get? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's his, his anger, him putting things together, him trusting his instincts again, because I'm sure for all of this, it all sounded unbelievable to him. It all sounded like some terrible dream. And for that to be validated by them and him being like, well, if this isn't true, how far back does this go? Yeah. And just that sense of, oh, my brother, who I trusted, betrayed me. And not just like, you know, he ate the last blints out of the leftover container in the fridge. But like, no, he he crushed my spirit, usurped the throne that should have been mine. Like he, Loki betrayed him in every possible sense. And for that to happen, that's uh, that's that's just got to be shattering for Thor. It's a huge, huge thing. Yeah, because I mean, it's not just the lie about Odin. Uh, being dead. It's the lie about, uh, you know, that Frigga doesn't want him to come back. It's the lie about, you know, the, the war with the Jotuns, like all these things that, that he said, like, you can't come back. I can't bring you back. Like all of this stuff, it's all kind of hit to hit this one point. And, and when Thor hears that line that Sif says that, uh, that your father still lives, it's like, everything is is opened and just i mean it's it's a it's a powerful moment and i think it's emphasized very beautifully in a dramatic way with that slow push in on thor's face and it's just i mean it's a really powerful moment that works exceptionally here absolutely uh, matthew just popped out We're, we'll uh he'll hop, hop back here in just a second um just continuing this conversation though so i mean this is this place where thor i mean he's really kind of having this this big shift and i mean at this point what I guess, what are we thinking uh, is the plan at this point? I mean, do you think that they just, they came down here without Heimdall's help? I mean, do they think that they can get back? Like, what what do you think would be the next steps of, I guess, whatever plan they have? It almost seems like they don't really have one. You get the impression that so many of their adventures with Thor in the past that they've that have been referred to, they've just kind of like, blundered through on their strength of arms and enthusiasm. And so I'm not sure that strategy is really a, a skill that they very much have. I think they just figured, <laughs> okay, we find Thor. Once we're all back together, we'll do whatever comes next and it will be fine. Or possibly even Thor will know what to do. Mm. That's what I take away from. They're so used to Thor being kind of their, their ringleader that they're like, well, we'll go find Thor. And then Thor will know what to do. Like, we'll figure it out from there. As long as we're together, you know, let's put on a show, gang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We'll save the community center from those greedy developers. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. 
That's that's an interesting uh, point. The idea that yeah, I mean, they generally look to Thor. I mean, we we kind of got that sense earlier when he he takes them all to Jotunheim, and they kind of looked to him to be the person who knew how to get out of this, right? I mean, even though it was like him who got into the whole mess in the first place, but it did. It was kind of this thing where they looked to him to be the one who could, you know, okay, well, what do we do now? And so, yeah, this whole idea of them getting here and saying, well, okay, we'll get Thor. He's going to be able to figure out something so that we can get in touch with Heimdall and get back. So it's it's an interesting idea. And I think that makes sense because otherwise I don't know what they would do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, essentially what happens is Loki retaliates, which then kind of gives them a doorway back in, in a way like. They're they're there to restore Thor, really. If they could get Thor his power back in some way, make him worthy again, then he could use Mjolnir to return. Well, okay, yeah, that's actually a a good thing. A good point is that uh, perhaps they can do something that can trigger whatever it is that gets Mjolnir uh, makes Thor worthy, so he can pick Mjolnir up again. Because I mean, they don't know. I mean, they they know that he came down here separate from Mjolnir. No, they wouldn't have because they weren't around. So presumably would they think that he has Mjolnir? I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess they figure Thor just, you know, got exiled and all they need to do is say, hey, uh, we need your help. Can you please come back? It's all fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the fact that they would think that he has Mjolnir. Um, And I mean, I I was wondering, like, would they even ask, like, why are you wearing these clothes? Because they didn't see him get stripped of all of his armor before. Like, they had been shooed out by Odin. And so it was just... Odin, Loki, and Thor in in the observatory when he was banished. So uh, my, I was like, why aren't they asking him? Like, why are you wearing these crazy clothes? But <laughs> that's a very good point. That's it. That's not something I had thought of before. But yeah, obviously they're, they're not quite sure what they're going to find. No, no. And that also just makes me think, like, wait a minute. This is something we see in comic books a lot. All of these characters wore the same outfits for the entire movie accepts Thor, like all of the Asgardians do. Is that just how their culture works? Do they just have one uniform or possibly multiple <laughs> copies, like while stuff is in the laundry, or some kind of special Asgardian Einstein-Rosen magic that just keeps their clothing clean so they never have to change? Like, would it be super weird to see Thor in anything but his standard Thor outfit? Like, you can take your hat off and you can put it on. We know that much, but that's really all we've seen as far as clothing. It's unstable molecules, Miles. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's how they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It turns out they were just tailoring this entire time. Yeah, yeah, behind the scenes. Exactly. I really, I really want to see one of their closets now where it's, you know, those, those gags in, like, you know, movies where you open someone's closet and it's, like, 50 of the same outfit. You know, it's, it's the, that's all they wear. They're Odin, all Steve we Jobs. See, exactly. <laughs> we do see Odin change clothes. He's at one point wearing uh, a gown instead of his armor, but uh, just once briefly. So, Well, and I think that's just because he's king. He's the only one that gets to. <laughs> right, exactly. I guess Loki can now. He's technically king. That's true. He can, although he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Why? He's not a good ruler. Oh, well, uh, unless... Unless you count his Midgardian outfit. He does put his Midgardian outfit on when he comes down to talk to Thor in the uh, in the holding cell. Oh, that's true. Although I wonder if that's just a glamour, if he didn't actually change clothes. We're getting so into such depth about this one specific <laughs> hypothetical. I love it. I know. Now it's I crazy. want a Loki glamour shot. Like he starts his own franchise. He glamours you into these enchanted poses. And, and, and yes, that's what I want. Exactly. For my senior picture. <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, I think we've lost Matthew for the rest of this show, unfortunately. I think, uh, you know, internet issues. Um, so hopefully he'll be back for next time. But uh, so we, we finished this minute. We have this moment here with Thor having his moment of realization. And then we cut, cut to Heimdall's observatory and we see Heimdall standing very stoically out in front as the camera starts real low down by the, you can hear the waves crashing against the sides of it as the camera comes up on him. It's just a little moment. We don't get any more of the scene, but uh, do you two have any thoughts on this or any, any, any last things you want to say about this part of the film? To me, it seems like Heimdall is standing at the ready. Like he sees all, hopefully he can see on Midgard, obviously. So he knows that he has betrayed Loki. He must know that if the destroyer isn't, of course, the destroyer hasn't been sent yet, but he knows there's going to be some sort of repercussion. So now he's pulling a Loki and just paying attention and watching to see what happens next. He's actively watching. I really like this. It kind of reminds me of big climactic events in the Marvel Comics universe. Um, In the X-Men podcast, we're covering Onslaught right now, and Onslaught pulls this trick, the story, not the character, where the Watcher is watching because things are that significant. So Uatu, the Watcher, is like, no, I need to witness this. And so seeing Heimdall dramatically watching, very, very dramatic, God, he's good at drama, (laughs) that does just underscore how whatever happens next is going to be a big deal. So audience, be ready. Yeah, very true, very true. Well, it's a big moment. I can't wait to talk about it. Next week... Miles and Elizabeth, it's been great having you on all week to talk about these particular minutes. Any last things you want to say about any of the stuff that we've kind of talked about this week? There's been a lot. Just that this was a delight. Like, clearly, I need to go through the MCU again with with a finer attention to detail because it really is um, it's rewarding, not only because of all the effort that they originally put into the movies, but because there's been so much since then that it's nice to go back and be like oh darcy this is when you first meet darcy so it it really is a a gift that keeps on giving and thank you so much for including me it's been a real nostalgia trip going through this yeah just thinking back to when this first movie came out none of us knew how big the mcu was going to get none of us really knew who chris hemsworth or tom hiddleston were at this point and it's fun you know getting back to those fresh eyes again and also yeah this level of detail it's really enjoyable to do that. These movies lend themselves well to it. So yeah, Andy, thank you. And uh, thanks to Matthew as well. Like it's it's been a blast uh, getting to work with Elizabeth again and getting to just talk with other Thor and Marvel and movie enthusiasts. Awesome. Well, it's been a thrill over here. I'm so glad to have uh, the two of you uh, join us this week. Uh, last chance to tell anyone uh, one last time where they can find you online. Uh, I will likely be guesting on uh, Panel on Panels, a great podcast hosted by John Campbell and Mike Gorgoni. And that, again, is found at don'tadjustyourninja.com. And you can hear Elizabeth and I talk at exhaustive length about Walter Simonson's amazing 1980s Thor run in our podcast from a few years back, Thor the Lightning in the Storm. That's at thelightninginthestorm.com or in any podcatcher. And these days, Jay Edidin and I do something very similar and ongoing for the X-Men with Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men at explainthexmen.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining me here and Matthew uh, this week. It's been a lot of fun. All of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you for all of your support. As Matthew says, have a good day. And as I always say, until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. 
This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music.